Welcome to Attention Talk Radio, your ADHD information station where we help those with ADHD pay attention to attention. With your host, ADHD and attention coach, Jeff Topper. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to this edition of Attention Talk Radio. I'm your host, ADHD and attention coach, Jeff Copper. Our topic tonight is repairing ADHD parent-teen relationships. With us in our virtual studio is Elaine taylor Kloss. But quickly, some announcements. It is now time to start officially planning for the 2018 Annual International Conference on ADHD. It's from November the 7th to the 11th in uh, St. Louis, Missouri. Um, it's an event that uh, we go to every year. I'm excited this year. I'm doing a workshop with Jennifer McCabe um, from Totally ADD and also doing a presentation about ADHD and exercise. Let's see. Also, uh, uh, Chad is actually... Um, uh, today's show is being brought to you by Chad, uh, and we're offering a free attention magazine uh, for those that are listening. All you have to do is listen to this show and a couple others, and or actually another show, record the secret word, and send us an email with the word and the um, title of the show and on the date it's aired to attention at attentiontalkradio.com, and we will get those uh, digital magazines to you. Um, again, tonight's show is being brought to you by Chad, so uh, we've got a little tip that they'd like to run, and then we'll get into the show. Want to learn proven strategies for managing ADHD from people who share your concerns? Join Chad at the 2018 Annual International Conference on ADHD, November 8 to 11 in St. Louis. Discover the latest tools and treatments. Connect with people just like you. Register today at chad.org. Thank you very much, Chad, for bringing us a little promotion for the conference. Uh, For those that are not familiar, Chad is the largest not-for-profit organization that advocates on behalf of those with ADHD. Uh, We encourage our members, our listeners, to become members of the organization. Uh, There's the magazine, website, experts, uh, discounted conferences. There's all kinds of benefits uh, to being a Chad member, but the biggest reason to do it is uh, to help support the organization because they help us speak with one voice on Capitol Hill, other regulatory agencies. So a thriving uh, Chad is a thriving ADHD community. Um, okay, so tonight uh, the topic is repairing ADHD parent-teen relationships and interviewed Elaine taylor Claus from Impact ADHD. Uh, she specializes in coaching of parents of teens with cha- challenges. This was pre-recorded due to some uh, time zone differences, some scheduling, so we'll roll the tape. I hope you enjoy it, and uh, I think you'll gain a lot of great insight. A veteran healthcare advocate, Elaine Taylor Kloss is a writer, public speaker, and an advocate for families living with complex kids. Her experience as a co-parent with her husband, David, and their ADHD family of five led Elaine to becoming a parenting coach and a voice of parents of children with ADHD and other learning and emotional issues. She's the co-founder of ImpactADHD.com, a global support training and coaching resources for parents of kids with ADHD and related challenges. She's been a consultant at the American Academy of Pediatrics in their effort to improve pediatric diagnosis and treatment of ADHD. She is the co-author of Parenting ADHD, Now Easy Intervention Strategies to Empower Kids with ADHD, and the co creator of SandySchool.com, an online behavior management training program for uh, parents. And um, with all that, Elaine, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's always great to be here. Thanks for having me back. 
Hey, well, you know, I, we've been doing this for so long, and I, it's amazing to me how much I learned from you after knowing from you for all these years, and particularly on our shows, I love doing them because I always get a couple nuggets that kind of change the trajectory of my coaching. So I'm anxious to learn more today. Very much a thrill. How fun. Thank you. (laughs) Absolutely. So this is an area that I don't really know a whole heck of a lot in. So just the the notion of, I I just, you have this dynamic, you know, as I, as I talk to kids, sometimes it's about raising your parents (laughs) and um, parents raising their kids and kind of going back and forth. And, you know, both, both start, you know, particularly young parents and young kids, you, you go into the process and a lot of damage and carnage kind of gets done and it gets really pretty difficult. And at some point in time, it gets kind of adversarial. And I've always been kind of curious, like the mindset and you work so much with parents about repairing relationships. Just can you talk, mm-hmm. talk about this dynamic and share what you've learned over the years? Well, you know, so many things come up just as you were introducing that, just that simple topic, right? That as, as parents, you know, we start this process with kids, and we're we're in sort of a directive mode. We we start off with little kids, and we're telling them what to do, and telling them how to feel, and telling them what we want them to to know, right? Yep. And then as they get older, <clears throat> a couple of things happen. Sorry, I'm sort of choking on some. Um, partly, we're dealing with parents of complex kids, right? So either the parents have complex issues, or the kids have complex issues, or both. And so. So some of the development things that you might expect with a typical kid aren't happening. And then either the parents get frustrated or the kids are getting frustrated with themselves or both. And so part of what's happening is it begins to create this friction in the family dynamic, right? You're not doing what I thought you were going to do or I asked you to do. You're not treating me the way I want to be treated, whatever it is. And, And some of that is sort of normal, typical developmental stuff. But it gets exacerbated when you have kids with issues or parents with issues. And, and so there's this, I'm sorry, this natural sort of um, push and pull that happens that becomes more strained mm-hmm. in these relationships. And so part of what we're looking at is understanding what's going on with those issues so that, so that we can we can begin to to shift the behaviors and address them differently, right? So oftentimes we get into these these patterns, these reactive modes. Um, Melissa Orloff talks a lot about it in her work with couples. Like we get into these pre-existing patterns and we get locked into them. And so the opportunity is to understand what's going on and what the expectations are and to start communicating differently so that we can begin to shift our approach, either as parents or as kids. And sometimes the kids are the ones with the emotional IQ who are understanding that something has changed. It's not always the parents. Mm-hmm. So, um, so, so direct me a little bit because that's sort of the context of it, yeah, so, right? Yeah, yeah. So we've got just kind of going back, understanding what's kind of going on with those behaviors and then resetting and understanding and setting expectations. So it's kind of a twofold process. One, because you're in this reacting pattern. So one of them is to stop and understand what's going on. And the second one is to more diligently set the expectations and adhere to it. Is that, is that accurate? Yeah, kind of. So, so, and, but that was really helpful for me to sort of take it because Yep. So when we look at challenges that are happening in a family dynamic in our model, and, and the, the impact action model is based on coaching, right? So it's coach approach. Yep. The first step is to get clear on what's the change you want to see. 
right? So the dynamic is not good. The relationship is frayed. I want to feel closer to my kid. I want to feel closer to my parent. Let's, let's look at it from the parent's perspective in okay. this conversation. I want to feel connected yep. to my kid. I want to feel, I want to enjoy parenting my kid. I want to be in a relationship, whatever that, that message is for the parent. You take aim on it and get clear on what that change is. And then you get curious, right? So the step, step two is to say, okay, what's really going on? Well, when I'm constantly redirecting and I'm not praising enough, that might be making my kid feel defensive. My kid may feel like he can never do anything right. Um, I'm upset at the end of the day and I'm taking it out on people. You know, whatever, whatever the message is, and there's almost never just one. There are going to be a lot of things that will come up as you get curious about what's ha- happening underneath the dynamic. <clears throat> Once you get clear on it, that will direct you towards a course of action. And then there are a few different ways that you can go with that action. One is to to look and say, okay, is this problem caused by something that's just an activating the brain piece? Yep. Is this something we need to address? Um, Is this happening when medication wears off? Or is it happening before medication is on board? Or is it, you know, like, is there a, a external piece? If, you know, does it happen on days when I don't exercise? Does does it Mm -hmm. happen um, when I've been eating crap all weekend, right? Or, for example, they might be tired. Exactly, tired. Are they hangry, right? So so one is to look at those that activating the brain piece and say, is that part of the problem? And if it is, what what can I do to address it? Um, And you may find that the only time you're having blow-ups with your teenager is um, when you realize he's been up gaming all night the day the night before and hadn't gotten any sleep, right? Yep. So one is to look at that. The, the, the second place to look, and this is what we call our sort of the planning phase. The second place to look is, is what we call positive parenting or the positivity realm. It's like how, how are our dynamics? What is the tone of our relationship? Um, how am I framing things? It's not what I say, but how I say it. What's the tone of my home that I'm creating? Starting every conversation with, with an accusation or am I saying how was your day before I get into the report I got from school today? Right. So, so looking at um, positivity from a, from a sort of big picture perspective, and there are a lot of strategies that we teach around it, but really am I – are we are we good, right? Do we have a basically good relationship? Is there basically trust there, or is or are we going to discover that if we really look at it, that my kid doesn't trust me? I was just on the phone with a parent yesterday, um, who was really really struggling with a teenage kid who doesn't want her to have anything to do with his school and he's changing, he's failing out, and all of this stuff and they're changing school. And what it became really clear is that it's been going on for so long that this kid doesn't trust her at all. And it's not that she's not doing a lot in his best interest. She is. She's working so hard. But she's really working to try to fix it and not to connect with him and understand him and his situation. And so he's really mm-hmm. her out. And so, so there's a piece here that's before you even get to expectations, that's about are we connected? Do we trust each other? Is there a relationship here to build on? Because the relationship is the core of everything when it comes to building any kind of systems, instructions, or, or patterns for improvement. You've got to have so, that. As a parent trying to help a child, you've got to have a relationship. 
Yeah, I'm kind of curious. I don't want to put you on the spot too bad, but the fixed it versus connected. I can see um, a parent wanting to fix. And in theory, yeah, yeah, I want to connect. But do you have any way of describing what that might look like illustratively so somebody could see kind of what the difference is? Well, it, 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 at its essence, it's task versus relationship, right? So okay. parent is saying, these are your grades. What's your homework? With, if, if everything is about, did you, did you do your laundry? Have you taken out the trash? If everything is about task, is about what they have and haven't done, and you realize you're not having conversations about their being, who they are. What, how, how was it when you went out with your friends the other night? Did you all have a good time? What made you laugh at school today? Like, if you're not having any conversations that are um, human conversations about how we be and feel with each other, um, mm-hmm. then, it, then what tends to be happening is that the task has taken over the relationship. And, and they're out of, out of balance with each other. And I'm not saying you don't have any focus on tasks. But, but I will say that when parents of older teenagers start working with us, Diane and I, generally speaking, um, it's almost always that the relationship is frayed and that they got to start there and that you got to let go of some of the tasks for a while until you reconnect with your kid. Like I was talking to a parent, a client of mine of a 17-year-old boy yesterday, and and I asked, when was the last time y'all went out to the movies or, you know, to go play sports or to go do something together? Just fun, right? Be in relationship with each other. Mm-hmm. Because that relationship is, is the key to trust. And if there's kids, and what you really want is for the kids to trust you as they're getting older so that as they are starting to really be involved with, with making more complex decisions in their lives, that they want to involve you in it because they trust you as an advisor to them, not because, not pushing you away because yep. you're just going to tell them what to do. Absolutely. And so Absolutely. The, the other piece to this is when you think about task and relationship is, are you directing or are you, you know, what we would say, are you coaching, right? Are you telling or are you asking? That's another way to look and see how that dynamic tends to be playing out. If you're, if you're constantly hearing yourself say, I just want him to understand that, or I'm trying to explain to him that, or she needs to understand, right? If, if your issue is making sure they see something in a way you want to see it, it's probably more task-focused. And if you're asking <laughs> questions like, send when, with that test, or what worked when you studied with that test and what didn't, or... Um, how are you feeling about history right now? If you're ask, yep. hearing yourself asking them, when do you plan to get your homework done? I know you've got a really busy weekend. If you're, if you're imbuing them with agency, with ownership, with, with a sense that, yes, they do have a license to run their own life, and that it's actually not your life, it's their life that you're supporting, then you know you've sort of shifted from task to relationship. Does that kind of adjust it? Yep, yep. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, I tell you what, we're going to so keep going go with back this. To where I, can I go back? Yeah, to where I was before. So, so, yes. so we are taking aim on the topic, right? First, yep. you look at activating the brain. And this is just going through the action model, right? Second, you look at positivity. What's the tone? What's the environment? And the trust factor. Um, and then you look at what you were raising a little while ago with shifting expectations, right? What, yep. what expectations are there? Are they realistic for where this kid is developmentally, not chronologically, but developmentally, right, for this particular area? 
So you may have a kid who's really motivated and jazzed by soccer and she gets all her stuff together and is ready every day and that's not a problem, but has a really hard time organizing her back. So Mm -hmm. developmentally, where is she in that area? And are you meeting your kid where they are, right? Are you setting expectations that are realistic for what that child is capable of developmentally at this moment um, and not setting expectations based on where you think they should be or want them to be or where their, their older sister was or yep. where they were, you want, you know, if you're really looking at, and we're not talking about lowering expectations here. We're talking about shifting them. We're talking about modifying and moving the expectation to where the child is so that they can grow from there and be successful from there. But if you set the bar too high for too long with a lot of these kids, they're just going to stop trying. Mm-hmm. They're just going to give up because they can't win anyway. And when you start feeling like I can't win for losing, why bother? And that's when you start seeing kids shut down and stop. And it can happen as early as that 10 years old. Wow. I mean, it, it really, they begin to get this message that I might not, I might as well not try. And so wow. if you can meet them where they are and help them see some successes and begin to, to have some incremental successes, that's, that's what will have them be willing to keep trying. Yeah, okay. That's why I think kids with dyslexia do so well, even if they have ADHD, because they learn systems to read, and when they learn systems to read, they realize that they can do something to, change, to create change, and they believe that's possible, and so they're more willing to try. But that's wow. a whole other that's a whole other yeah, well, podcast, right? <laughs> no, 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 sorry, I can't help but jump on that. We need, we need to go to a break real quick. Um, everyone, um, tonight's secret word is kid. Uh, tonight's secret word is kid. Um, to learn more about Elaine um, and Impact ADHD, go to impactadhd.com. And with that, we'll be right back after these messages. Your life, your world, your choice. This is Attention Talk Radio. Transform lives as a professionally trained ADHD coach at the ADD Coach Academy. ADHD coaching is in demand, a calling, and a career. Learn how you can change lives by going to addca.com slash ATR. That's addca.com slash ATR. The average annual cost of attending college starts around $25,000. Students who have ADHD are at high risk of dropping out because they haven't learned the critical skills they need to succeed in school. Protect your investment with an EDGE Foundation coach, specifically trained to help students with ADHD and executive function challenge make the transition from high school to college. Visit edgefoundation.org to learn more or call 206-632-9497 and use promo code EDGE to get your free college success guide. Get it right with Omega Bright, the premier natural advanced omega-3 formula for improved attention and focus. Omega Bright was formulated by Dr. Carol Locke while on faculty at Harvard Medical School and was the first high-concentrate omega-3 on the market. Omega Bright is recommended by New York Times bestseller and leading ADHD authority, Dr. Ned Hollowell, who takes Omega Bright and recommends Omega Bright to all his patients. Order Omega Bright today. Visit omegabright.com or call one 800 699-6525. Enter code ATTENTION on checkout for the chance to win a month's supply of Omega Bright. Make every moment count with Time Timer, a sensitive solution for ADHD time management. It shows how much time is left 
using a bright red disc that gets smaller as time passes. To place an order for a time timer, all you have to remember is timetimer.com. Managing ADHD is about pausing before you ponder and proceed. This opportunity to practice pausing is being brought to you by digcoaching.com. Do you have something those with ADHD need? Advertise on Attention Talk Radio. We are a narrowcast, internet-based radio show targeting those with or impacted by ADHD. To learn more about advertising opportunities, email attention at attentiontalkradio.com. And now, back to Attention Talk Radio. Welcome back, everybody. We're here with Elaine Taylor-Kloss of Impact ADHD, um, having a great conversation about repairing relationships with your children, particularly teens, uh, before the break, we were just kind of talking through the dynamic, and she was walking through a model that they use that I really think makes a lot of sense. And a few things stood out to me. One is, you know, getting out of the task realm and connecting on the relationship, and actually letting that those tasks go and let going of the direction. And you know, it's a well, it's interesting. We we interviewed Terry Maitland um, many many years ago, and she talked about how um, when her kids were going through school. She advocated with the schools and the kids IEP or 504 plan. I can't remember which that under, under no circumstances was homework to come home. And, and the idea was she wanted it to stay at school because it was all about relationship. And I I was, I was, I was blown away when I had that interview with her. And I I was like, I was kind of laughing, like, like, okay, that sounds really good on paper. And she was like, oh, no, the school, like, hated me. I mean, like, like they, they loathed me when I walked in, but she was emphatic about it. But, but what, 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 the reason I'm bringing it up is she was advocating for the relationship first. And I really, really can see that in what she was doing there and what you're talking about here is you've got to have that relationship because if you don't, everything else is you're, – you're swimming upstream. And, and what I'm but, hearing but, going so back to that sea. Well, one of the things that, you, that came up to me early in this conversation when you were first introducing it was something my daughter said to me probably seven or eight years ago when she was a teenager. Um, and she came home and she was talking about something. And, you know, I was, Mom, I was going into fix-it mode and I was going to handle this. And what if you try this? And she looked at me and she said, Mom, I just need a poor baby. And I, I think you and I have talked about this one before. And I said, what? She said, just, I just need poor baby. And I went, oh, okay, honey. Aw. And what I was saying, <laughs> all she needed was for me to be, like, empathetic and sympathetic and caring and compassionate. And, um, you know, it's sort of become a joke in our family now. Everyone in our family can say, I just need a poor baby. Can someone give me a poor baby, please? <laughs> <laughs> you know? But it's like, please, stop fixing. Don't do this. Yeah. Don't tell me what to do differently. Just emotionally just let me be sad for a minute or be frustrated or be angry or be scared or and just be with my emotion instead of trying to get me out of it you know yep. gosh I love that poor that's right um so we've got this, this we, we kind of talked about this as a kind of theory to, to to move forward I'm kind of curious about um how do I say as we are going further, the more I interview experts and the more I have conversations loosely, I've, I've, I, I, I refer to ADHD as a dopamine addiction. And um, just for context to kind of help begin to reframe ADD, that those with ADHD, there's a, they lack homeostasis. There's not an equilibrium, if you will. And so if they're not getting their fix from something, they'll have a tendency to go somewhere else. And so they, they, 
if they're not getting it from something, then they're going to go find something else. And in particular, um, screen addiction. Uh, we did a, a three-part series last summer about screen addiction and the biology of it and how the games and social media are really designed to um, Fine, take over yeah. and hijack. The prim- I mean, in other words, these people know more about the primitive brain and getting people to do that. And so you have a teenager that has some type of addictive behavior, um, particularly digitally right now, and there's a strained relationship around that because I run the you know this this dopamine addiction. It's a self-regulation problem. They have the inability to engage their attention and unengage from maybe from the game and stuff like that. Can you just talk to us a little bit about that, how it plays into this? I mean, I think it's a little bit complicated. My sense too is it's getting more and more challenging as we're forced to 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 interact digitally, and the temptation is there all the time. Can you just just talk to us about that a little bit? Yeah. So so here's what comes up as you're saying. Like I like the dopamine addiction. I I tend to call it stimulation seeking. But, you know, it's it's two sides yep. of the coin, right? Yep. Um, and and so you do have brains that are wired for seeking stimulation, seeking input, seeking pleasure, seeking whatever, right? Um, and, you know, and there's this whole other hormonal thing that's happening with, with um, you know, what happens with oxytocin and, you know, the pleasure hormones versus the stress hormones and cortisol, and um, which plays into this whole conversation, right? Because as, just having a conversation with someone, you can generate cortisol, uh, which is a stress reaction, or you can generate a, a pleasurable, pleasurable hormonal reaction, right? Mm-hmm. Which will last longer. So um, part of what I think happens with technology, um, and I take a somewhat different bent on this than a lot of the people that, that, I, that you and I have talked with, that we work with, that, you know, because I – I accept that we are digital transplants and our kids are digital natives. We are coming from a world where this wasn't a part of the fabric of how we think about life. And they are raised in a world where this is part of their foundational being about how they think about life. And so we look back to days when we were playing hot box outside in the neighborhood and think that's what should happen for children. And for most kids these days, the world has shifted a lot, and a lot of their yeah. social world has moved to the, to the technology. And as parents, we have two choices. Well, we probably have a lot of choices. But two of the choices we have, we can demonize it and make it, make it a villain, or we can embrace it and make it an asset and teach our kids how to manage it. Because just mm-hmm. like any other aspect of self-management, they have to learn how to regulate and manage themselves around technology in order to be successful in life. And that is a reality of their world. If, we, if they live in a city where they're going to have to drive a car, they not only have to learn how to drive a car, but they have to learn how to drive it safely. Right? Yep. It's the same with technology. If they're going to have to have it in their life, they have to, unless they're going to go live out in the woods without it, they're going to have to learn how to manage it effectively and not stay up till five in the morning gaming and miss work or school the next day. And so I guess I see it as an opportunity for us to them and raise their awareness and invite them to this conversation, this ongoing conversation we have with them around self-management. Sorry, coffee. Um, because our job, you know, we, I was interviewing um, Hal Runkle the other day, who's a screen-free parenting, and, and I love this language that he uses, that our job is not to raise children. 
our job is to raise adults. Um, and, and we want to raise them to become thoughtful, self-aware, conscious decision makers as adults. Yep. And believe me, these kids are going to have to make more conscious decisions around technology than we can even fathom in our lives. And so that's, that's sort of the, the, the perspective I like to take on it is not how do we get them to stop or how do we get them to limit? Because I just mm-hmm. think that's the wrong question. And I think we need to be asking, what is their relationship with them and how do we help with technology and how do we help them become more aware of its role in their life and how they're interacting with it? More conscious. Mm-hmm. Um, so in my family, we've used technology a lot to keep our family together. My daughter left when she was 18 to another city 3,000 miles away. Yep. I don't know how we would have functioned if it weren't for technology. We are as close now, if not closer, than we ever were before, and it's because we have a really funny family group chat, <laughs> like really funny, um, wow. because we are in conversation with each other all the time, every day, and we use technology to facilitate that, right? We use technology. We're Jewish. We, we celebrate the, the Sabbath. We light the candles. We use technology to bring us together, no matter where we are. If, any, if everybody's available, we will get on the phone with each other. Sometimes we'll have two or three phones holding up pictures and FaceTiming and whatever so that we can light the candles together. Um, so there's lots of ways that, that if we embrace and engage in technologies with our kids, then we, then we will have their trust to be able to have those more complex conversations about how are they using it and raising their awareness and about should, you know, we as a family talk about should we have phones at the dinner table instead of just saying no phones at the dinner table, right? I want them to be part of that conversation and part of the decision-making and not just lay down the law. Wow. I'm having a, it's always, I always love to have you on because I always have some ahas because I loved how you said digital transplant versus digital native and I'm definitely a transplant Mm -hmm. And yeah, I have, I, I use technology in my business, but it's like a tool. And it's funny because yeah. what the, what in my dynamic is I could, I, what I really, I'm not a big social media chat, Snapchat, you know, whatever, um, like everybody else really is. And I'm beginning to realize in this conversation that I need to spend more time on those types of things because that's where relationships are developed at this point in time and meet them there first and get to, to, to do that. So, I mean, just and I've talked to lots of other people that I know that that share the same thing. Like I don't get the whole thing, but they're natives. I'm a transplant. Going back to the original, if I'm going to establish a relationship, I need to focus in on that and work my way out, as opposed to pull them out of what their natural tendencies are, because um, it goes right back to that relationship as you're describing. So it's it's uh, mm-hmm. I think that's, well, that's the key. And- Go ahead. And it's where their language is, right? It's where their yep. conversation is. It's where their ne- their community is. It's where their tribe is. And, I mean, particularly as the, as the kids are getting younger. And I, and I have to tell you, I mean, I struggle with it. I have, you know, nieces that are 10 and 12. And the notion that, that you know, my my sister-in-law says, yeah, you can, um, you can text her. She's got her phone with her at camp. And I had a moment of, like, are you kidding me? She has her phone at camp like that? You know, like <laughs> – I definitely had that moment, but I can't, who am I to judge? 
Yep. Right. Like this is their life. This is her world. This is that's part of their social world. And and so if I meet her where she is, it's the same thing as we were talking about earlier. If I yep. meet them where they are, I can invite them to grow from there in healthy, conscious ways. But if I just stand here with my hands on my hips and say, I don't like where you are, and I judge yep. it, they're never going to bring me into their conversation. Wow. wow. And I have to tell you, several years ago, we were, um, the five of us were together. I have a family of five, and, and we don't get to see each other that often. You know, it's, a, it's a rare treat when we're all together and we adore each other. And we were at a restaurant um, in Colorado, and, um, and we were sitting at the table, and we had our phones out, but we had been taking pictures, and we were sharing paper. I don't even know what we were doing. But an elderly couple came to, up to us as they were walking out of the restaurant, and they acknowledged us. And they said, I just want to tell you how nice it was to see a bunch of people with, using your phones to communicate with each other. And how sweet it wow. was that your family, because it was very clear that everybody wasn't on their phones in their own space. We were on our phones with each other. Yep. Wow. And that's, that's very different. We were engaged it, in playing with each other instead of isolating from each other. I, um, and I think that's the opportunity. I, I, and I, I, think, I think that what you shared and the insight that you have really makes a lot of sense because it's really kind of counter. And I've seen you play with your family, not, not the entire crowd, but there's some stuff, and I can definitely see how some of that would resonate from all that mess. So I think uh, great insights, really, really good insights. Um, tell you what, we, let, let's go to break. Um, oh, I, hate, I hate going to break sometimes like right now, but let's get that out of the way so we can kind of continue. Everyone, <laughs> tonight's secret word is kid. Uh, that's kid. And to learn more about Elaine uh, and Impact ADHD, go to impactadhd.com. And with that, we'll be right back after these messages. You're listening to Attention Talk Radio. We'll return in a moment. Your life, your world, your choice. This is Attention Talk Radio. Change your life by learning more about managing ADHD. Other places give you a few tips. The ADD Coach Academy will change your life. To find out more, go to addca.com slash ATR. That's addca.com slash ATR. Make every moment count with Time Timer, a sensitive solution for ADHD time management. It shows how much time is left using a bright red disc that gets smaller as time passes. To place an order for a Time Timer, all you have to remember is timetimer.com. You can't go off to college with them, but we can. Visit edgefoundation.org to learn more how an edge coach can help your student reach their full potential. You can also call 206-632-9497 and use promo code EDGE and get a free college success guide. The Attention Talk Network has over 450 interviews and more than 210 hours of programming, which is overwhelming if you think about it. That's why I've made my list top 10 favorite Attention Talk radio interviews. Download the list at www.digcoaching.com forward slash ATR. And now, back to Attention Talk Radio. Welcome back, everybody. We're having a great, insightful conversation with Elaine taylor Closet, which we always do. And I was having a little bit of an aha during the break, um, kind of in reverse. I was the high adventure scout master down here in Tampa for a, a local troop. And I used to take the boys up backpacking on the Appalachian Trail. And uh, I challenged them quite a bit, but it was funny because – Looking back on it, it was a it was a controlling behavior type thing because a couple times I'm out with a 
another adult leader, which is basically a boy that's 18, responsible for everybody. And when we would backpack, I don't know, like 12 miles or something like that, I would let the boys bring um, their iPods, but they, were, I, I, they could not bring their earbuds. And I had a speaker with batteries that I would stick in and they could sit and listen to their music. And I taught them how to play Euchre, which got to be this. It was always a Euchre tournament, but the music was interesting because it was the music that they were listening to. They would identify with, and it was something they would look forward to. Like we're getting, while the game was going on, people would rotate and camp cooking dinners and stuff like that. And fast forward, it's like 10 years later. And I developed a relationship with those guys around that because it was unique. It was, it was, I was, Mr. Cobble was letting them cheat, if you will, uh, as they were out backpacking. Um, and, but it was funny because we did this one trip. It was 100 miles, um, 30 miles south of the Smoky Mountains, all the way up to it was 100, 105 miles. Anyway, it was fascinating because we were backpacking, and there was a couple different drop points. And these guys learned budgeting because if they packed a certain way because we, we littered bags up and down the thing for them to grab – it enabled them to, to do under more comfort. And it was funny because when we got done, I realized that they were learning budgeting concepts as a result of the backpacking thing, and they didn't necessarily know it. And, and John Soar, I mean, uh, John Wilson in, uh, at Soar, and I've had a lot of conversations about it. But anyway, where I'm really going with it is we fast forward now, and I'm sitting around, these kids are now older, and we have a Scoutmaster poker group, and the kids are starting to join us. And it's funny, the relationship that I've gotten with them going back to meeting them where they were with this little piece of technology, I never really thought about it that mm -hmm. way, but it really kind of mirrors a little bit of what you're saying. And when all these boys were going through getting their ego, they give out these pens for like mentors. And I, I got a bunch of them. My older son calls it my bling because I don't wear any, anything else on my uniform except for that. And I, I am the most proud of it because I had the relationships with them. So anyway, I just had to tell exactly. that story to kind of reinforce really what you're saying because looking back, I wasn't consciously thinking about it, but I was doing it and, you know, moving forward, I know I need to a little bit more than everybody else. So anyway, thanks for humoring me there with that one. <laughs> yeah, it's good. I mean, I think that, I think what you're pulling together is that, you know, relationship is the core of trust or trust is the core of relationship, however you want to look at it. Right. And, yep. and you know, we, we're in relationship now with these people now relationship is a current active changing dynamic thing you're not in relationship with them 10 years ago they bring yep. that forward to them for where you are now that that we do have to want to sort of on some level keep it current in yep. order for it to be relevant to them and to us um, yep. and i think that that's we forget that we you know we get caught in shoulds we should all over us yep. so one one other part of this I'm kind of curious about your thoughts is if you've got a parent and they're dealing with a teen or, or a kid that they've had some – trying to repair it, on the other side of it, sometimes I think if the parent's got ADHD and maybe the kid doesn't or the kid does, is that there's a fair amount of the parent having to self-regulate and really kind of managing them themselves. So it's it's doing the relationship mm -hmm. but actually kind of going back and say there's something here. And to me, that's that's probably very challenging uh, is there something to that? And what are your thoughts on that? Because some of this requires a little bit of self-regulation and some organization on the parental side. Well, I definitely think, I mean, so this is, a lot of this is about the parent. All of the work I do is with parents for this reason. Because um, we are supposed to be the grown-ups in these relationships. And very often we're behaving as childlike as the kids. And more so, sometimes. Um, and Yes, we have ADHD as adults. I have it. You have it, right? Yes, 
we have executive function challenges, and that is an explanation for our challenges, but it is not an excuse for poor behavior. Mm -hmm. And and it is our job as parents, because we took on the job as parents, to figure out how to manage our behavior and manage our emotionality and manage our intensity. And, and, and when we can't, to come back transparently and apologize and take responsibility for it. Because we are the grown-up in this relationship, and we should behave like that, not only because we're responsible for it, but because it models good behavior for our kids. And I think this notion that, that somehow I, I have ADHD so I can't is just absurd because mm-hmm. it's, it may be harder. It is harder. But if you decide that there's a change you want to make, then you can make that change if you ask for the help you need, you get the supports you need, you delegate, you, you play to your strengths, you do all of the things that we teach people to do all the time. You can manage even the most absurdly difficult ADHD if you choose in the first place, if you set the intention that I'm going to manage this. And when it comes to emotionality and, you know, our tendency to take things personally and act when we're triggered and all of these, these things that interfere with relationships, as adults, that's our job to address it and figure out how to manage it. And I'm not saying it's easy. Um, it can be really, really difficult, and it can happen. It can change, and I've seen it happen again and again for even really extreme circumstances. You can stop yelling. You can stop hiding. You can stop overreacting even. Or you can take responsibility when you do and come back and repair. And mm. that's our job as adults mm-hmm. to do that. And it's, it's not okay to say, well, it's hard, so you shouldn't do it. Yeah, it's hard. Get the help you need. But it's our job not to take things personally, not to make our kids' issues, not, not to overburden our kid with our own issues by, by having them now, not only do they have to keep themselves calm, but now they have to calm us down too. That's just not fair. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, coming to an end here, any other kind of thoughts uh, or wisdom for parents out there that are trying to repair the dynamic? I mean, I've learned a lot in this process, um, the relationship piece and meeting them where they are. And, 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 and I really, my biggest insight I think from today is the, the, the digital transplant and the digital native and the, the realization of that's how the world is going to interact in the future and while I might think mm-hmm. they should talk on the phone a little bit more and do whatever, the reality of it is it's not moving in that direction. And so if I jump into that and learn, I can probably help them a little bit more than trying to, to, to t- tell them about the old days. And I will say this is um, it's been profound to me as a parent at this point in time because the world didn't change that much. From Certainly my, my parents didn't have maybe TV like I did when they were coming through, but but it, it changed, but not nearly as much as it's changed since my kids are grown. And since my, my it's, I mean, the, the right. internet wasn't even there and, and, and all this stuff is like off the charts. And so it's, it's a little bit more challenging, but I think it, it, it begs it much more as like, you got to kind of crawl into that world a little bit and go back and spend like relive your childhood a little bit and kind of connect with them. So it's, um, yeah. anyway, that, I that, definitely any, think that any, yeah, I guess what I would close with is, is to sort of, Piggyback on what you're saying is is um, is that it's it's their world and it's our job to meet them at their world and not try to hold them back to a world we were in 20 or 30 years ago, or the world we think it should be. 
Um, but the other piece that really jumps out at me is we talk about this notion of relationship, right? And, and repairing relationship is all about setting the intention in the first place to be in relationship and to want to create a healthy, constructive, loving relationship with our kids. And I think we forget sometimes to let them know that that's what we want and that there's a lot of value in saying, I was, I was talking to the same dad yesterday about the 17-year-old, um, and the conversation that, that he decided on was to go to his son and say, you know, we've been, you've been working all summer and I've been working and we've been working at different times. I miss you. I haven't seen you. Can we go, have a, can we go out to the movies? Right. Mm-hmm. To, to let them know that it's not, we're not in relationship out of obligation with them. We actually want to be in relationship with them. And we want to, to be, um, have fun and love with them and connect with them. And, and sometimes we forget, we, we sort of, well, they know that. They know I love them. Well, I don't care if they know or not. It doesn't hurt to tell them anyway. Mm-hmm. You know, it, in fact, it helps a lot because, you know, teenagers, kids are insecure. They need reminding. Yep. Yep. And so take the time to, to set the intention that I want to improve the relationship with my kid and let your kid know, you know, I realize we've been talking so much about school all the time. I never hear about your friends or what's going on or what your interests are. Can you go do something and not talk about school at all? Yep. Like, imagine how happy your kid would be to hear you ask if we could please not talk about school or chores. <laughs> you know, if we could just be in connection with them and be human with them without trying to always teach them. The other thing mm. is that, you know, not everything has to be a teachable moment or you can come back later and point, make the point. But they don't, they don't want you just to be the teacher. They really just want you to be a trusting, loving reliable entity, human in their life, the person they can trust more than anyone else really. And sometimes you have to remind yourself and then let them know that that's what you're looking for. Yep. And that you just want to have fun, you know, and you, you also want to, yes, we got other stuff to do, but don't let that become so serious that you forget that you really had kids in the first place, most of us. It's because we wanted to enjoy family life. Bottom line, rediscovering family life. That's my that's my that's my takeaway message. That's very well said. So well said, Elaine. Thank you so much for coming on the show. My pleasure as always. Thanks for having me, Jeff. Oh my God, I love having you on, everyone. Again, today's secret word is kid. Um, again, a secret word is kid. To learn more about Elaine, it's impactadhd.com we hope you've enjoyed uh, tonight's show catch us next week for another great show take care